So picture this, you need to get a gift for a, a child, a toddler in your life. It could be, I don't know, grandkid, your own kid, it could be your niece, nephew, daughter, whoever it might be, maybe even a coworker's kid. So you gotta get this gift and you're not sure what to get for a toddler. And so you dial up a friend and you ask your friend, hey, I've gotta get this gift, what do you think I should get? And your friend thinks about it for a while, then, then he says, well, why don't you get that kid some dried tree resin that smells funky? And you may not have a response to your friend. You may think, I need to get some different friends. But then your friend says, wait, 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 that's not it. That's not all. So you get them this dried tree resin, and then you want to hand the toddler like a lighter and then light the dried tree resin on fire, and then it'll smell even more funky. Isn't that a great gift? And you're thinking to yourself, I got I to gotta talk to somebody else. You think that's kind of odd, but it really, really did happen. In fact, that's what happened to Jesus as a child. He was given some dried tree resin that smells funky and even more funky smelling if you burn it. I and mean, what a horrible gift, right? I don't even know what Mary and Joseph thought initially. I mean, if it were me, I might have opted for maybe the wooden camel or possibly a lamb flavored binky. I'm not sure. But let's pause for a moment and take a quick poll. If you're online with us, I want you to, to, to light up the chat window. If you're here with us in person, uh, just go ahead and you know shout it out to someone nearby you. What do you think is the best kid's gift? What do you think is a great gift for a toddler? Go ahead and fire that off, light it up. Best gift for, for say, a two-year-old. Go for it. Now, when my kids were younger, some of the go-to gifts for that age group might have been like, a Tickle Me Elmo, I don't know if you remember those, or there's these little plastic vacuum cleaner things with this, this little popper, and it would make all kinds of sounds when they would run it across the floor. It was really, really fun to listen to all the time. And some of my friends thought it was funny when our, our kids were younger, and they would, they would gift us toys that were really noisy and had lots of buttons on them, and of course required a ridiculous amount of AA batteries. Anyway, best gifts for kids. It probably, your, your list probably doesn't include dried tree resin. But you know, when we read the story of Jesus and his birth, we read that in Matthew and Luke. Both of those are in the New Testament part of the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke. We read the birth narratives and they're very, they're very fun to read. I mean, there's just all kinds of things going on. There's shepherds and angels and uh, there's a travel. All kinds of things happen. But actually, it's after the birth story of Jesus that we actually get to these three gifts that some wise men brought. See, Jesus was a little older by then. We don't know how old. Maybe he's a toddler, maybe two years old. Uh, he was with his parents, Mary and Joseph, and they were in a house at some point. And, and these gifts were brought to Jesus by these wise men. They visited from the east and, and they brought him three. And you know a couple of them already, myrrh and gold. And yes, as you guessed it, the third one, was some dried tree resin called frankincense. Now, actually, I'm burning some frankincense right now here in my home where I'm in front of our Christmas tree here at the house, and I've actually got some incense that I'll show you here in a minute. I can smell it right now. But just some, some, some interesting information about, 
about frankincense, it, it, it was pretty valuable. In fact, there was an article that was in Business Week not too long ago that talked about the value of frankincense. And, and in the ancient world, it was, it was worth, worth its weight in, even more than its weight in gold. It was grown from some trees in Southern Arabia. And it said that, you know, there's a long time span in the ancient world where Southern Arabia was, was really made rich from the trade and sale of this frankincense that came from, from some trees, this dried tree resin they would sell and they, they did pretty well for themselves. There was an old Greek historian named Herodotus that, that writes about the value of frankincense and that's part of how we know it was so valuable. Of course, you've got to take his words with a little bit of a grain of salt because he also said that the trees that the frankincense came from were guarded by fiery serpents. So I don't know what other kind of incense that uh, good old Herodotus was into, but uh, I'm sure that those serpents didn't really exist. Frankincense has kind of a, a lemony, musky sort of smell. And, and some would say that it smells like church. Now, why would they say that? Well, in some religious traditions, in some church traditions, even the high church or more formal church traditions, like, like uh, the Catholic faith, incense was, was a part of their worship gatherings. And a lot of times, the priests or the folks that were involved in mass would burn this, this frankincense as the incense, which symbolized the people's prayer. And so for some, smelling this brings back those old memories of being uh, maybe at the Catholic Mass with, with grandma or grandpa. In fact, I wanted to show you what, what incense actually looks like. Here I have it here. I'll bring it up for you. There it is. You can kind of see it waffling up there. Yeah, it's pretty lemony, pretty musky. And I don't know, smells like church. That's frankincense. Well, we're in this series called Gifted, and we've had a great time with it. I hope you enjoyed it so far. The, the, the title is Gifted, Three Gifts and a Savior. And, and we're taking a close look at each of these three gifts that were given by these wise men to Jesus as a child. We've covered myrrh already. We talked about gold. And now we're going to be looking at the final one, uh, frankincense. Glad you've joined us today. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm with Dallas Church. So glad that you've tuned in and you've jumped in with us online today. It's so important. We do this every week on Sunday, the first day of the week. We do this because we want to lift up the name of Jesus together. Like, like Christ followers all over the world right now, we're lifting up the name of Jesus, who, who was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for, for all the sin of humanity, but then rose again on the third day. And that third day was a Sunday. And so we, we recognize that every week. And so we're, we're glad that you've made this your rhythm as well. It's important that we worship Jesus on, on Sundays. And, and I want to invite you just to, to hit the reset button and, and take a deep breath. And let's enter into the scriptures. Let's hear from God's word. Even here as, as, as we're entering the week of Christmas, let's, let's take a pause, hit the reset button. And, uh, and, 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 and let's hear from the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank, we thank you that you love us so much and that uh, you sent your son Jesus, not only to be born into the world, but to do miraculous things and, and offer us hope and freedom and salvation for all his work that he did. So Father, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. May we hear from your word as we lean into this gift, frankincense, and what it might mean for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you have a Bible or device, I encourage you to find Matthew chapter 2. Now, we've already in this series covered a little bit of this, of this text, but I wanted to get us back into the context today just to get us started. Matthew chapter 2, and I've got my trusty printed version here, but I'm just going to read a few verses here, and, and, and hopefully you can read along there as well. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He was feeling a little threatened here. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And, and listening to the king, they, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, there you have it. Three gifts by, by the wise men, and they brought frankincense. Again, I'm not sure what Jesus, his parents, thought. Why would you bring that for a toddler? But here's the deal. These wise men, now we don't know that there were three. I know that that might shatter your childhood memories of your parents' nativity set, but we don't know how many wise men there were. But these were educated people from the East, and they had done their research, they'd done their homework, they'd, they'd looked at the, the Hebrew scriptures of old, and they knew that something special was happening, something miraculous. And so they came to visit Jesus, and they brought these gifts, and they included frankincense, probably for a pretty good reason. You see, they knew that it was valuable. That's, that's without question. But they also knew something else. They knew about a role that Jesus was going to play for all humanity that was super, super special. They somehow knew that Jesus in his future was going to play a bit of a role of a priest. Somehow they knew that. A priest. Now, now, we may not have a lot of interaction in our modern world with a priest. Again, some church traditions, see the Catholic tradition has, has priests as a normal part of their, uh, their church life, but, but most of the rest of us don't really have any interaction with priests. We may not even know what a priest does. And we can read in the Old Testament part of the Bible and, and see what the, the priests did during, during the early days of Israel and setting up worship and everything, but we really don't have a lot of connection. What was the role of a priest? Well, I mean, a priest was someone that kind of handled the, the worship uh, gatherings when, when people would, would gather together in, 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 in a community and they would worship the Lord. The priests were a big part of, of making that all you know, happen. They were orchestrating all of that. But they also offered sacrifices and prayers. They received offerings from the people. And in many ways, the, the priest act as sort of as a, a go-between, between the congregation and God. So a pretty important role in the spiritual community. That's typically what priests did. Now, Scripture tells us 
that, that Jesus was indeed taking the role of a priest, but not just any sort of priest, not just a run-of-the-mill sort of priest. The scriptures make it very clear that Jesus was the perfect high priest. And that's a whole, whole different role. A high priest versus a regular priest, two different things. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible in the New Testament section of the Bible dedicated to discussing the role of Jesus as the great high priest. The book is called Hebrews. I encourage you to read that if you've never read that. It's a, it's a wonderful discussion of Jesus being the great, perfect high priest. It, 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 we see how Jesus fulfills the mission of God and, and ultimately he becomes the perfect sacrifice. See, priests brought sacrifices in behalf of the people to God. But Jesus himself, as the high priest, the great high priest, offered himself as the perfect sinless sacrifice for all of humanity. That was a special role that only Jesus could do. Now, now we talked about the, the difference between priests and high priests. Well, in ancient Israel, sort of the Old, Old Testament part of the Bible, you see the high priest having a special role, more than just your regular priest who handled the day-to-day -day operations of the temple or the tabernacle. The high priest had a special, special role. They would go, only they would go once a year into the very special place of the temple or tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. And the high priest would offer a special sacrifice to atone for, for, for the high priest's personal sin and the sin of all the people. Uh, the, the day was called the Day of Atonement. It was super special. Only the high priest could do it. If any other priest tried to jump in on the action, that priest would lose their life. That's how important and crucial the high priest's role was. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 4, that was that book I was talking about uh, that, that, that describes Jesus as the great high priest. Listen to what it says in verse 14 of chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love what one preacher said about this high priest role of Jesus. He, he said this, because Jesus is our great high priest, we've got a friend in high places. Friend in high places. We've got connections in heaven. We've got a friend at the throne of grace who delights in answering our prayers. Come boldly, come often, come to the throne of grace and pour out your heart to God. You will not be turned away. We've got a friend in a high place. Jesus is our high priest. Somehow, those wise men way back in the day knew that this child, Jesus, there in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph there, somehow they knew that God had a special role for Jesus to be the high priest for all of us, for all of humanity. Wow. And Jesus, he offers himself as a perfect sacrifice on that cross so long ago. And now... After rising from the dead, offers us hope and freedom. And now he's interceding on behalf of, of people like us, you and me, us sinners. He's interceding for us as our, as our great high priest. And so that begs the question, right? Is Jesus your high priest? Is he your high priest? Is Jesus interceding and standing up for you? 
when you say yes to Jesus, that's the role he takes. He's not only Lord and Savior, but he's your great high priest, my great high priest. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, I so encourage you, I beg you to say yes to Jesus. Take him as your Lord and Savior. Put your faith and trust in him and that he would be your intercessor, your, your great high priest, the one who stands for you, the bridge builder. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you're ushered into the throne room of God Almighty. And you can call out to God intimately. You don't have to have any other mediator. No other priest or anybody else has to be in the way. You can directly, by, by faith in Christ, approach the throne of grace. You can approach God the Father directly. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? We don't have to fear anymore. In Jesus, you are, are, are released from, from religion to be, as John Piper once said, a radical spiritual worshiper on mission, no matter where God takes you. Worship, you see, by Christ and what he did for us, it isn't this external thing ran by, by priests who are doing all these elements. No, worship now, because of Christ, is this full immersion into his life. There's no more need for dead sacrifices and that sort of thing. No, actually, in Christ, the scriptures tell us that we are living sacrifices. How radical is that? We're living sacrifices, doing everything for His glory. And we don't need frankincense anymore that I showed you earlier, because as the scriptures say, we, we in Christ are, are a fragrant aroma, pleasing and acceptable to God. So we don't have to fear anymore. And that's my big point today. In Jesus, we can draw near with no fear. We can approach the Father with confidence, knowing that He loves us more than anything and that He cares for what we care about. He, he cares about our anxiety. Isn't that great? We can approach Him directly. We, we can draw near with no fear. And, and Jesus takes this whole priesthood thing, He takes it a step further by, by releasing his, his followers, us, his, the Christ followers. He releases everyone who says yes to Him into a new priesthood, a holy priesthood of living sacrifices. That in Christ now, we've been released to be a holy priesthood. Listen to what another letter in the New Testament says. This is from uh, the letter of 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll read a few verses, then we'll put a few on the screen here. But starting with verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 now, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that powerful? In Christ, you say yes to Jesus, you're now part of the holy priesthood, a new holy priesthood, people walking in light. So what does that mean? It means that now we as Christ followers, as the church, we are the mercy extenders. We are the grace givers. We are the interceders. We're a holy priesthood. And that means, and let me just leave you with these key questions before we pray and close today. There's three of them. The first one is this. Who are you showing God's mercy to? We have been given so much mercy. 
meaning that we, 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 we didn't have to, to bear the punishment that our sins deserve. Jesus took that for us. We've been extended mercy, so now we can give mercy to other people. So that's the first question. Who are you showing mercy to? The second question is this. To whom are you extending grace to? That's what the whole gospel good news of Jesus is all about. It's the undeserved favor of God, grace. It's a gift. And God has gifted us with so much grace. Now, who are we extending and giving that grace to? And the third question is this. Who are you interceding and praying for right now? Who in your life, in your circle of influence, maybe it's a coworker, someone in your neighborhood, uh, someone in your family, who are you interceding for and praying for that God's love and mercy would, would reach them? What great questions and challenges for us as Christ followers, as the church, to be, to be that holy priesthood, extending mercy and grace and interceding for other people. I encourage you to, even on this Christmas week and this craziest year, to be extenders of mercy, extenders of grace, and to be interceding for people like Jesus, our high priest. We are a holy priesthood, and because of Christ, we can draw near to God and have no fear. Powerful. Well, again, if you've never said yes to Jesus, He's not your high priest yet. I would encourage you to say yes to Jesus. You can do that here in person or you can do that online. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to, to help you take that next step of faith. Uh, so don't, 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 don't walk away without saying yes to Jesus. That's my encouragement to you. Now let's all pray together as we close. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for Jesus, for, for him being our high priest, Father. We're thankful that because of him, we can approach you with confidence, that we can come directly to you as our, our Abba Father. You love us so much. Father, thank you for that. I pray your empowerment over every one of us who says yes to Jesus to be mercy extenders, to, to give grace to people, and to intercede and pray for those in our lives. Father, help us to be that, that mission of love to our community and our world. We pray all this on Christmas 2020. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.